You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. One-two. He struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one-two-three eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, throw a good fastball without any help. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, it was a great question. I caught you toweling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. (laughs) Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Well, good morning, Twins fans. Great to be with you. Uh, This is Inside... uh, Pardon me. This is Twins today. We're getting ready for Inside Twins. And the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all ahead of first pitch. Today, Sunday, Twins and Royals. It's Bailey Ober versus Chris Bubich on the mound. And if you can hear in the background, there's a little sound check going on. Always uh, always fun at the ballpark on a Sunday. Uh, fall is here, too. Uh, officially sweater weather at Target Field here in downtown Minneapolis. On Twins today, we have got a fun program lined up for you for the next two hours, 10 to noon is this show, and then as mentioned, Inside Twins. It's with Twins VP of Player Personnel, Mike Radcliffe. You are not going to want to miss that one. Mike was just inducted into the Scouts Hall of Fame. So, fun conversation coming up after this show. During it, well, we're going to start with five thoughts. We'll do a little radio revisit with a Hall of Famer with a, uh, no hints here, but a big curveball. Jim Suhan's going to join the show to talk about big picture twins uh, this year and going into 2022. We got Jacob Dyche who joins the show. He's part of the Game Changers program with the Twins and Bally Sports North. You will hear about that later on in the program. Nick Gordon, kind enough to carve out some time, as was Jose Miranda, the hit machine for the AAA St. Paul Saints. I I actually taped that one with Jose, went over to Lower Town St. Paul and caught up with him. And then we'll close the show, well, appropriately, with the closer. Glenn Perkins comes in to round out the second hour of Twins Today. So we've got a fun day of baseball lined up for you, and it starts here with Twins Today. We're going to start the show with five thoughts, diving deeper on five of the stories that mattered this week and going forward. Number one, how could you start anywhere else but Joe Ryan? Number one. And the 0-2 swing and a miss, and down he goes as Rosario chased the breaking ball. Was the ball over his cap, and the 1-2 swing and a miss, and down goes Ramirez on a slider. And a swing and a miss, elevated fastball. There's a line drive in the center field, Buxton. And he puts another one away. So another three up, three down inning as Joe Ryan is perfect through six innings. Perfect through six innings. It was an incredible start in the second start of his big league career for the Twins. He did did give up a hit in that seventh inning there. But what a performance uh, by the Twins rookie. I'd say the principal asset coming back in the Nelson Cruz trade from the Rays organization. His final line against Cleveland midweek here, seven innings, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts. And he did have uh, seven ground balls as well to go with that so seven great innings from joe ryan we can't wait to see what he does next 
promising start in the first 12 innings of his big league career so far. Just four hits allowed. Just keep that going. You'll be okay. Another starter we got to talk about, uh, not somebody that was as prominently discussed at the trade deadline, but did come back to the Twins and is on the mound. Had a nice start this week, too. Number two. And the 0-2. Swung on and missed, got him. Nice pitch. And here's the pitch. Swung on and missed, got him. Elevated fastball at 92. Nice job there by John Gant. Back-to-back strikeouts. And the 1-2. Swung on and missed, got him on an off-speed pitch. So Gant walks the leadoff man and then strikes out the next three batters. John Gant made a start for the Twins the day before, actually. It was the Tuesday against Cleveland. Five innings, no earned runs, just three hits. Seven strikeouts was the number that jumped out to me. That is the high watermark for Gant with the Minnesota Twins. Looking back at his uh, Cardinals days, because he came over in the J-Hap trade, you'll remember. Um, I was kind of surprised that the Twins got some some major league value given how Hap was pitching at the time, but uh, season high, seven strikeouts for John Gant in his start this week. Something to watch. He he came over as a reliever, but made it known that he wanted to be a starting pitcher. Now making the most of some opportunity here with some innings available in the Twins' starting rotation. Watch him for next year as well. Again, not as uh, not as discussed, not as big of a prospect. Uh, capital. He's a more of a major league veteran than is Joe Ryan. But two nice starts in two wins for the Twins against Cleveland this week. So that's some good news. We've got a little bit of bad news to share with you this week as well. This one kind of a bummer. Number three. Leading by two top nine. And the 2-2. Two, two. Ooh, how about that breaking ball, Danny? That one missed everything. And Rogers now looking at his left hand. Yeah, he's looking in the dugout as well. So he threw that ball and something happened there. Uh-oh. And he kind of looked quickly at his hand. The back-to-back breaking balls that missed badly, and that last one missed everything and found just the limestone behind the plate, and he's going to leave this game. Well, that was it for Taylor Rogers that game. It turns out also it for Taylor Rogers season. Another opinion on the finger that's been causing him issues, and that's a pulley tendon uh, on his pitching hand. And that will end Taylor Rogers' year. Uh, you know, we learned that this week. It was already trending towards, boy, is he going to be able to come back and ramp it up and pitch again? No, unfortunately, Rogers will uh, hope to ramp it up still, but we're not counting on seeing him on a mound at Target Field again in 2021. That means he goes into the winter uh, ahead of his final year of team control. Uh, he goes into the winter without throwing another inning, and that's that's – Really bad news for Rodgers. Of course, it's bad news for the Twins. We were hoping to get to see him ramp it back up. Um, some good news, bad news with this one, though, because you would have assumed, given how it went for the Twins pitching staff at the start, oh, okay, you lose your best reliever. Ugh, now cover your eyes. What's going to happen the rest of the way? Well, actually, that's thought number four. Number four. And the one-two pitch, strike three called, and down goes Reyes, and Duffy comes in. And fires a 1-2-3 eighth inning. And the 1-2 swing and a miss, and down he goes on a changeup. So Manaya strikes out Jimenez, and Cleveland leaves a man. And the payoff pitch, strike three called at 94, fastball. Went back to the four-seam. The cutter has been missing, so Garver called for the four-seamer, and Colomay paints the outside edge. And Meyer strikes out looking. A 2-2 count. Here it comes. He struck him out swinging. A breaking ball. And Zimmer is out number three. 
A 10 pitch at bat and Thielbar gets his man as he retires all three striking out a pair. Hey, wouldn't put a lot of money on the Twins bullpen without Taylor Rogers, but since the day he's been hurt, Twins relievers lead the American League in uh, win probability added, a, st a stat I like for relievers. How much did you impact the game, tip the scales towards winning for your club? Twins the best in baseball since Rogers went down in that category. Here are the pitchers with an ERA under three in that Twins bullpen. Well, we'll count Michael Pineda, Luke Farrell, three innings apiece. Uh, Williams has to do, actually, but that's just one inning. Let's ignore that. Jorge Alcala leads the pack. Ralph Garza Jr., Nick Vincent, Andrew Albers, Juan Manaya, Ian Jabot, Alex Colome, and Caleb Thielbar all have that sub-3 ERA in the time since Rogers went down. And Duffy's pitched pretty well, too, in his 15 innings. 3-6 ERA over that span. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Thought number five, this was a special one for two different reasons. Manager Rocco Baldelli. Number five. This ball hit in the air to center field. You know who's out there. Byron looks, Byron catches, game over. And the Twins put a W in the books. And Rocco Baldelli is 200 as the manager of the Minnesota Twins. Those are our 200 wins. You know, the organizations, the fans, uh, everyone in the clubhouse. You know, we win as a team. I don't think manager wins are, are a thing. That's not something that I count or any of the people that I know that do this job are really counting in any way, shape, or form. I will count this. It's, it's uh, my first win since the birth of my daughter. So that's important. That's pretty cool and important to me. And I will have the ball that was just given to me by the guys in the clubhouse, which was very nice. Special week, special moment, I suppose. <laughs> Not the most special moment of his week, but Rocco Baldelli picking up his 200th win in a Twins victory. Uh, well, it's helpful when you get half of them in your first season at the helm. Rocco Baldelli, the 2019 AL Manager of the Year, just a, an incredible run, that incredible team, racking up wins left and right, and then, of course, a shortened season last year, throws a little bit of a wrench in that if you're doing average wins per season but this season has not gone as well as Rocco or the Twins would have hoped unfortunately but 200 wins in the books still and as he mentioned there far more important news for the week uh, Rocco and his wife Allie welcoming their first a daughter Louisa Sonny Baldelli to the world this week and Rocco stepped away for a few games Bill Evers managed and now uh, Rocco is back as a new dad so congratulations to the Baldellis for that and I I wanted to include that one 200 win is it, it that's a nice round number a nice milestone we like celebrating round numbers around here but more importantly just sort of a reflection on the the Twins new manager and his tenure to date with the twins that's it for five thoughts and if you want more from five thoughts you could just follow me on social media if you'd like to uh, my columns show up there on twitter at Derek wetmore or facebook facebook.com slash Derek wetmore mlb as i mentioned we've got a really fun show here on twins today coming up we're going to hear from a hall of famer after that we'll talk with jim suhan on all things twins stick with us 10 to noon here on twins today then Inside Twins, the Adana pregame lineup card. I'm sorry, the Adana Realty pregame lineup card all coming up ahead of Twins and Royals. First pitch here from Target Field. Stick around. Burt Blylim is coming up next on the show on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. 
Today is driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. I am your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting here at, uh, well, it's not quite chilly, Target Field, but it is fall <laughs> at the ballpark today. Twins today here, 10 to noon, ahead of, uh, well, first pitch, Twins and Royals coming up a little bit later. Before that, we are going to have an Inside Twins conversation with Mike Radcliffe, newest inductee into the Scouts Hall of Fame, and then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card. Now, though, a little radio revisit action. This is a conversation between Dan Gladden and the one and only a 2011 Hall of Fame inductee, Burt Blylevin. It's behind the batting cage segment, and this is going to be a special one here. Burt Blylevin is going to join us, and Burt's just back from the Hall of Fame ceremonies. And, Bert, let the listeners know uh, how it was uh, and if it was different this year. Oh, Danny, thank you. And thanks for having me on. I want to say hello to all the twin fans there. You are all here by circle. <laughs> I missed that little telestrator. But, uh, yeah, just coming, my wife Gail and I just got back actually late last night from Cooperstown. We went in on Tuesday. We didn't get there till late. Jane Forbes Clark, uh, the owner of Cooperstown, she had a little party for everybody. So we got to see everybody. And then uh, yesterday, Wednesday, we all dressed up in our suit and had the uh, ceremony and honored Derek Jeter, of course, Marvin Miller, Ted Simmons, and Larry Walker. So they all gave speeches, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Then after that, of course, uh, we have the Hall of Fame dinners, one for the wise, one for just the guys. We had a great time, and then we flew home. You know, I did listen to Ted Simmons, and he talked about the avenue that he took to get to the Hall of Fame, but he said, hey, I'm here, I'm going to enjoy it. He talked about also the baseball game that is being played today, and he, and he made a kind of a neat statement feeling that the pendulum is going to eventually swing back to how maybe he played, you played, and current players used to play. And you played. Yes. And you played, Danny. And you know what, uh, I really like what he said that, he hopes it get back to the old style baseball. I watch a lot now. I watch the Twins a lot. I watch uh, Tampa Bay Rays since they're not too far from here, the Miami Marlins. It's a different game today. I'm kind of glad I played, and I think you are too, Danny. We played when we did. Would you be able to play today? Would your curveball work in today's game? Oh, I, of course it would work in today's game. My fastball would too, and miss hitting some guys once in a while, but I do that on the golf course now. I let the group go ahead of me, and then I swing away. Let me ask you, 287 wins. You needed 13 more wins for 300. And you talked about you had a little bit of sink late in your career. Was there opportunities for you to kind of still play for those 13 wins? My shoulder just went south. And uh, the winter of 1992, leading into being invited to spring training with the Twins, I thought I was in pretty good shape. But once I got to spring training and started throwing that baseball, I could pitch four or five innings and my shoulder would kill me. And even though I was 13 wins short, if you count my high school wins and little league wins, I was well <laughs> over 300. So, you know, it was a lot of fun. And I knew in 93 that my time had come pitching almost 5,000 innings. And I wanted to, my heart still wanted to play it, but my right arm, which I just had replaced Danny. And I don't know if you know that. Or yeah. not. I got a complete reverse shoulder replacement. So, I got a whole new arm, so I might be making a comeback at 70 years old. Uh, Watch out. I, I don't know about that. Just stick with your <laughs> stick, stick with your golf game. Hopefully that uh, that is still in play. I like that. Yes, I'm back out on that course about two or three times a week. Derek Jeter did not get a unanimous. One writer uh, did not vote for him. <laughs> should it be taken out of their hands? Should it go a different way as to who should vote for these guys? Because if you think about it, Bert, 
Some of these writers have never seen these guys play baseball before. I think sometimes whoever that writer was, and I thought Derek Jeter said it great uh, at the beginning of his speech, he, you know, thanked Jane Forbes Clark. He thanked everybody at the Hall of Fame. He honored the uh, guys that were sitting behind him. And then he said, I also want to thank the writers except for one. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> but, but should it go a different route or should it just stay the, the, the course? No, I think it should stay the course. It's a shame because some of the writers that don't vote – for somebody, you know, like, say, Cal Ripken or somebody like that, Tony Gwynn, Rod Carew, guys that you know are going to be first-time Hall of Fame inductees, sometimes they will get more publicity, the writers will, mm. for not voting rather than doing it the right way. When did you start thinking as a player that, you know what, I got a chance to maybe make the Hall of Fame? Did that ever hit you at some point in your career? No, not really. I think toward the end, you know, when you finally hang up your cleats and put your glove away, kind of look back and you, you see the 60 shutouts, the strikeouts, the innings pitch, the complete games, all that stuff. And, you know, then you're on the ballot and it'd be 14 times, 14 yeah. years to finally get put into that hall of fame. So I think the biggest thing, Danny, is guys like Derek Jeter was there yesterday with his mom and dad, you know, Ted Simmons had his mother there. Larry Walker had his mom and dad there. I think those are the moments you want if you have the numbers and it took those guys a while, Simmons and, and Walker, to get in. But Derek Jeter, first-time Hall of Fame, what you have an opportunity to, to thank them for allowing you to play the great game and all the leadership that they gave you as a youngster growing up. So uh, my mother was there in 2011. My dad, of course, had passed away at Parkinson's. But I felt his presence. I really did, Danny. And it's mm. unbelievable standing up there giving your speech. And I could feel my dad, you know, sitting next to my mother, down and, and listening to uh, me honor him. Do you recall the very first time you visited the Hall of Fame? <sighs> Boy, I think I was with the Twins and Dick Bramer, Ryan Lefevre, and Matt Hoover. Works for Fox at the time. We toured it on an off day in Boston. We rented a car and drove to uh, Cooperstown. I, that was my first time. As a player, uh, I was there a couple times. Uh, once with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I that might have been, you know, maybe Cleveland Indians. We just played the game there. Right. Uh, so we got to see the museum a little bit. But I think that trip that uh, we all took on when we got to see a lot more. And anybody that is listening to this, if you have not been to Hall of Fame, it's a great experience. You got to go back and you love the game of baseball. There's so much memorabilia and things to see at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you walk through a time, really, and some of the stuff, the eras that they had. But we did get to see you on TV. I guess you took in a Twins game down in uh, when they were in Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Yes, yeah, watched the Rays. I took my granddaughter. Gail and I went. We took uh, our kids that are here in Florida to the ball game. Had a lot of fun. Have you seen Joe Ryan? I watched a little bit of the highlights of him pitching against Cleveland. I like his windup, Danny. He's over the head. He's kind of old school. He's not one that just, you know, comes out of a basically stretch position. I always thought, and you look at greats of the game, a lot of us went over our heads and kind of gave a little deception as far as throwing that left and the glove out and your arm and you dip, have different angles. I like his delivery. I like his delivery, and hopefully he can stay healthy. All right, Bert. Hey, appreciate you taking your time with us today. We'll be in touch with you. Appreciate it. All right, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody for a Hall of Fame weekend for the Twins when they put in Justin Morneau. Looking forward to coming up. All right, Bert, thanks a lot. All right, Danny.
That the great Bert Blylevin, of course, a conversation in behind the batting cage there with Dan Gladden. Yeah, I think that one writer probably felt like uh, Derek Jeter didn't need that vote, and other people maybe may have. With the limit of 10, you know, it's it's tricky, but I don't know. I'm just uh, just thinking about some other possible explanations for why you wouldn't make Derek Jeter a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, and also, that Joe Ryan tidbit, that's pretty interesting because I talked with his old pitching coach at AAA Durham last week on Twins Today, and Rick Knapp said Joe Ryan's a guy who hides the ball at an elite level. So kind of interesting to hear Burt picking up on that as well. Certainly be fascinated to watch his starts here the rest of the way, rest of the season. All right, we got to catch a break here on Twins Today, and coming back from this, we're going to be talking with Star Tribune sports columnist and Talk North podcast host. He is Jim Suhan, and he joins the program next to talk Twins here on Twins Today. This is News Talk, 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, Twins fans. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we got a fun show lined up for you till noon. Uh, And then after that, be sure to catch Inside Twins, a conversation with VP of Player Personnel Mike Radcliffe joins Inside Twins this week at noon. It's all getting you ready for first pitch, Twins and Royals. Joining me now on the show, he is a columnist with the Star Tribune. He is a podcast host and an entrepreneur at Talk North. Find his podcasts at talknorth.com. He is Jim Suhan. Jim, thanks for taking some time for Twins today. Derek, it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk with you as well. Now, I understand you're in Cincinnati, and I'm going to guess it's for a little football game that's coming up. Uh, well, I, you know, I usually vacation in Cincinnati this time <laughs> of the year, so it's very convenient to stop over by the football, the football stadium. Uh, it, it actually, it's, yeah. Uh, Vikings Vikings opener at Cincinnati, uh, but you know, so we're starting the we're starting the whatever this season is going to be uh, between COVID and this team's expectations and injuries and everything else. It's going to be interesting, but but I know we're not on here to talk about the Vikings. No, no, it's all good though. Uh, interesting is a word we love using in this town because it's got so many meanings, and uh, yes. I guess I'll just leave it at that with the Vikings. Uh, but, Jim, uh, on the Twins, uh, you and I, most of our conversations have been of the baseball variety. Uh, of course, your long tenure covering the Twins and just your insight on the team. Uh, so you're on the road, but must have seen that Rocco Baldelli picked up his 200th managerial win last night. And I re- saw a recent column from you where you put his 2019 season, Rocco's that is, as the second best managerial season with the twins in sort of the modern era start of the opening of the metrodome let me just ask you a big picture question on rocco is what do you make of the job that he's done with the twins well it's interesting because when this team faltered out of the gate you know i, I can't tell you ever, ever, almost every email every conversation was when are they going to fire rocco or they should fire rocco and i'm like Listen, I, I know that's the world we live in, you know, and, and the first thing we all read, a lot of sports fans reach for is the, the hot news speculation and what's ha- going to happen next. And I was like, had the best record in the American League the first two years he managed at any level. I, I think we can give him a little bit of leash here. And, 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 you know, that doesn't mean that I agree with every move Rocco makes. I, I, I covered Tom Kelly, and I know Tom Kelly knows 500 times more baseball than I do. And I would disagree with TK sometimes. So I certainly don't sit around defending every move Rocco makes or pretending he's infallible. I just think you've got to pull the camera back. You've got to look big picture. He had a great record. Whatever he did 
uh, whether it was resting players or, you know, uh, using the bullpen in unconventional ways, whatever it was, it worked for two years at a very high level. So let's not pretend that he just this winter decided to get really stupid and ruin a season, you know? So I, I can't, I can't say that he's done anything phenomenal this year because the results just aren't there. But I think he's, I think he's a highly intelligent guy. I think he's a great human being. I think we should, have a little patience here yeah uh, well I agree with you obviously and uh, you covered some let's call them lean years in the 1990s with the twins but the uh, number that you pulled out as the the top season there TK in 1987 uh, I know it's a different game I guess the the thought that goes into the matchups and the decisions and stuff like that I feel like TK would uh, do really well in that component of today's managerial uh, duties or requirements. What was it about uh, 87, Jim, just to sort of draw this camera lens out that you talk about? What did TK do so well that maybe even the Twins could draw some for 2022? I just think he was incredibly adaptive. And, I mean, I mean, I put it in one sentence. He won the World Series with two starting pitchers. (laughs) And if you go back and look at the bullpen, yeah, Reardon did a good job, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like Eckersley. He just did the job. And that and that team, the core group of, of players that we now celebrate as being the core group of two world champions, they were known as chokers. You know, they had had chances to get to the postseason before, and they had faltered down the stretch. There was nothing special about that team if you wanted to look at, you know, in terms of being a predictive champion. Uh, you know, we know how great Puckett was. We know how, how good – we know they had really good position players, but they hadn't won anything. They had two starting pitchers. They had kind of a weird bullpen, and Tom somehow got them through the World Series. I still don't know how he did it, really. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And he, he might say the same thing, too, in an honest moment. Uh, Rocco said something like that yesterday, Jim. I, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the quote, but he, he basically said uh, – you know, these are not my wins. I, I don't take this as a personal accomplishment. This is a group accomplishment. He did mention that it is the first win since the birth of his daughter. So that, for that reason, was special to him. But but the nice round number that we all like to celebrate, uh, 200, it apparently doesn't view it as a personal accomplishment. That, I think, Rocco and TK might have a little bit in common there. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, we, we tend to talk about the divide between pre-analytics and post-analytics. The thing I think that people we think we describe as old school, the ones who succeeded, they used analytics. They just did it in their own way, or maybe they did it in a notebook. I mean, Tom Kelly knew the splits on every player in the major leagues. He knew who could hit a fastball in the outside corner, who couldn't. He knew all that stuff. He just didn't. He just didn't use a supercomputer. Yeah. His brain was a supercomputer. <laughs> and 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 to take it to Rocco, Rocco and you know and Falby, One of the things I like about them is yes, they want access to all the information they can get their hands on, all the useful information, but they do, they understand the human element. They understand that, you know, you need mental health breaks. They, they, so I, I don't think there's as big a divide there as sometimes we, we make out. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point, and two of the smartest baseball people I've ever talked with, you wouldn't call them analytics guys, Paul Molitor and Buck Showalter. So I think that kind of underscores the point you're talking about there. Um, Twins fans, our guest is Jim Suhan. He writes for the Minneapolis Star Tribune and talks about sports at talknorth.com where you can catch his podcast network, including 
Chin Music with Roy Smalley. That's one baseball fans will want to catch. Uh, Jim, we sort of uh, we look at this team here and we think, well, is this a blip or is this the start of a trend in the wrong direction? I'm on the record, and my personal opinion is this bad year in 2021 does not have to precede a, a drought, uh, a five-year window where the Twins don't really win anything. Or You use the word rebuild in a column recently. What is your opinion on that? Do you think this is the kind of thing that they can, uh, I guess, pull the e-brake and turn this around really quickly to be competitive in, in earnest in 2022? I mean, that is the big question facing this franchise right now. And, and one personal note, we also added LaBelle Emile III to our chin music show with Roy Smollett. Oh, yeah, it's that's a, right. It's been a blast. Uh, and that's what, you know, and that's why I wrote about the poll ads recently, because I usually don't like to write that the poll ads should spend more money. You know, because you know, it's the easy column. It's the drunk guy at the end of the bar argument. Uh, you know, and so, let's face it, there have been a lot of rich uh, organizations that have spent ridiculous amounts of money and not won it all. So it's not always a cure-all. But I, they're, on, they're in a weird tipping point here. I think between people in the major leagues right now and prospects on the rise, I think there's enough position-playing talent here to support a winner. There isn't enough pitching. There just isn't. Not unless like eight kids all started pitching well at the same time. And we know that never really happens. Uh, I like I like Ober. I like Ryan. Uh, they have some prospects that I'm really intrigued by. You know, the bullpen is always kind of a mystery what, how it's going to work out. But I think if the poll ads, and, and listen, we have to factor in the possibility of trades too, because sure. you know if you could trade if you pull out another Jake Odorizzi trade, if you can pull another Kenta Maeda trade. All that's that's going to be hard to replicate. Yeah, maybe that turns things around. But if you can't, you're just going to have to spend some money on veteran pitchers just to give this group a chance. I, what, here's what I don't think the Polites should want to see. I don't think they should want to get to late April or mid-May next year and go, wow, this team is going to score a lot of runs and it's going to catch the ball. We just don't have any pitching. Yeah. I mean, you, don't want to, you don't want to just sacrifice a season – to save a little bit of money in the offseason. I don't, I'm not saying they should go sign somebody like Max Scherzer, you know, whatever the equivalent in this free agent market is. They're not going to. I understand. They're not going to outbid the Yankees and the Dodgers and teams like that for it. But if you can get some just people who can hold down the fork, who can get you to the sixth inning, you know, and if you can get a closer, get a closer who's pitching like Alex Colomay's pitching right now, <laughs> I, think, I think that can settle down the bullpen. You know, the, the yeah. two most disappointing seasons we've seen – from the Twins recently were the year when Perkins didn't have it and buried the team early, and, and this year where Colomay buried the team early. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that uh, that point, and he does have an option next year, so you could get a closer like Colomay, or you could go get Colomay, <laughs> but yeah. uh, we'll see. We're going to see where that goes. Um, I, here's my personal opinion, and uh, we know the names of the prospects who are on the way, and some people would cynically say, allegedly on the way because how easy is it to say this guy's going to be great this guy's going to be great and then we never see him but with that name or the, I'm excuse me that list of names being a, a dozen long or so that kind of highlights the the opportunity and the challenge yeah if some of those guys hit you've got uh, the start of a good pitching staff but that's a, a lot of ifs a lot of guys that you don't know how many innings you're going to get out of it I'm just kind of asking you to draw on memory here off the top Jim but can you remember a team as imbalanced at at a moment in time as the Twins where they have hitters that you'd feel really good about? I think even forward to next year, the lineup should be pretty good. 
and the pitching is a huge question mark. Have you seen a team that's this imbalanced in recent memory? It's a good question. Um, yeah, it's interesting because if you look back to the when this team kind of franchise turned itself around, uh, late 2000s, early, I mean, late 1990s, early yeah, 2000s. Sure. I mean, Brad Radke was their ace. Johan Santana was, didn't, hadn't learned to change up yet, and he was pitching middle relief. And they went to the ALCS. Um, you know, they had Booth Bonzer start, you know, early in a playoff series. Uh, you know, they have had a lot of teams where you really liked the lineup, you liked the athletic ability, you liked the fielding. And you just didn't know who's going to pitch, you know, beyond maybe one, maybe a couple of relievers and one, one or two starters. So I actually think it's been kind of a trend throughout Twins history is, okay, yeah, you got, you got Puck and Gaetti and, and Herbeck, but who's going to pitch? You know, you have, uh, you have this, you have Torrey Hunter and Jock Jones and Corey Koski and Minkiewicz coming up, but who's going to pitch? You know, who, who's even your second starter? Uh, I, I just think Twins, because they have had, they have struggled to draft and develop their own starting pitchers, Rios being the great outlier there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all, and I just feel like they always have kind of promising position players and not enough pitching. Yeah, well, okay, so mission 1A this winter is either find a Johan Santana or a Francisco Liriano, and then it's there all good. Go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I just, you know, just call up Terry Ryan and ask him how he can trade uh, – you know, A.J. Brzezinski for, like, three, start, three <laughs> excellent pitchers. It's, it's easy to do. Yeah, or find a, a future Twins Hall of Famer in the Rule 5 draft. That should right. be pretty simple. Exactly. Uh, Jim Suhan has been our guest here on Twins Today. Jim, uh, thank you very much for taking some time today for us here on Twins Today, and uh, safe travels. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Of course. Yep. That's Jim Suhan. Find him on Twitter at Strib or TalkNorth.com. For the podcast network. Uh, always love chatting baseball with Jim. Uh, he covers a lot of football now. He's columnist, of course, but uh, definitely some baseball roots and a lot to learn there. So that was a fun conversation, and we have more of those coming up on Twins Today. Next is the owner of Gideon's Barbershop. He's Jacob Dice. He's part of the Game Changers program between the Twins and Valley Sports North. Our conversation next on Twins Today. This is News Talk 830 WCCO. All right, Twins fans, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we're sitting down today with the founder, owner of Gideon's Barbershop in Minneapolis in the Corcoran neighborhood. He is Jacob Deich and uh, part of the Game Changers program. Jacob, before we get into Game Changers, thank you for being with us here on Twins Today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to unpacking this business with you, unpacking Game Changers with you. First, yeah. for listeners who maybe haven't heard of it, what is Gideon's Barbershop? Gideon's Barbershop is a uh, traditional barbershop located in Corcoran neighborhood of South Minneapolis. We aim to deliver a barbershop experience that's characterized by art, service, and education. Ultimately, we believe that every customer deserves custom, and that is relational. And that is also creative. And so we are big on committing ourselves to craft and courtesy. And that's our spiel. <laughs> it's good. It's like you've done it before. I'm impressed. I mean, uh, I'm so you uh, you are the owner, founder of a barbershop. And yep. everywhere on your website, you talk about it. It is, uh, it's more than just a barbershop. And so I think people hear it and they think cutting hair What's a typical experience for a customer? They come in and they sit down in your chair. You know, I think being on a, a, in a moment like this is exciting because the twins are so big and it's such an entertainment field. 
And I think that somebody might get the impression that we're here putting on a whole production and entertaining. And barbers are that. And barbers are, are, are vast in their personalities. But I think it's the simple stuff in life that we provide, right? We provide it here. Before we use our shears, we uh, listen and, and consult our customers to help them just present the best, best selves to the world. And that takes fold in a haircut. But even it's just allowing them to maybe let out some things that they've been thinking about or just catch their own vision for their life and their work. And we do a little bit more than that. But that is something I think that isn't always at the forefront of people's minds when they think about barbershops and barbers. But we seek to just go beyond what people are paying for and what people are sometimes remember. So I yeah. think you know, the barbershop is, is a longstanding history of community work. And so we're committed to that. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Jacob, because, and listeners who are just joining us, Jacob Deich is our guest. He's the owner of Gideon's Barbershop in Minneapolis. And oh. I almost like didn't bring up the barbershop component because the, the, the piece of your story that I really wanted to dig at is what you just touched on is like the community building. Can you dig deeper on that for our listeners? Um, because we talked about it. It's a, it's a haircut, yes. Yeah. But the thing I guess I wanted to dig in on is things that you are trying or aspiring to do in the community. Yeah. Well, I had been looking at starting a barbershop for years. I've been uh, licensed for 12 years. And even at the beginning, I was like telling the owner of the shop I worked at, I want to own a shop. And it, along the way, I just began to just kind of see how a barbershop is more than kind of what met the eye for me as an artist. Like, this is a craft. I'm, I'm really going to put some tight designs in people's heads. And in that first five years of license, I was like, just dug my, my roots deeper into the social element. And I was like, dang, this is, this is even deeper. And, and it even considered it as ministry you know, for the community. And so, yeah, it's just over time, being an artist, being an artist who does, who does uh, uh, sculpting of heads and does graffiti, I also do poetry and I rap. And so I developed the name Gideon as a, an artist moniker for myself. And even a few years into that, around 2010, I was like, man, Gideon is such an uh, important character in the Bible. And I think a lot of people could identify with Gideon. Let's not make this just about me and my artistry. Let's make this communal. And so along the way, some of my clients, friends, family members, you know, kind of met with me to have some conversations around community and even about the conversation, where do we come from and how do we take all of our story and our past and propel us into the future? And so that's been a big part of the conversation, building a village, strengthening our, our local community, and then helping to inspire others to do the same thing in their locale. And uh, yeah, Gideon is, is kind of at the beginning phases because I think, you know, we have so much that we want to see happen in this world. And so thank you, Twins Game Changers, for acknowledging us in this process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's very well said there, Jacob. So for listeners to uh, the Game Changers program, this is the first year the Twins in Valley Sports North are partnering on this program. Uh, they highlighted three businesses in 2021. Jacob's is one of them, Gideon's Barbershop. The Game Changers program highlights small and minority-owned businesses making a big difference by giving back. We want to highlight their stories, uh, hopefully with the idea of inspiring others, much like you strive to do, Jacob. For listeners, what's that connection to Game Changers meant to you? Yeah, um, I think 
it kind of goes back to the name Gideon for me and the story of a person who was kind of an unlikely leader amongst his community, like was called out by God, discerned that, hey, okay, I'm supposed to do something big. We have some oppression and, and opposition coming our way in our, in our village, our community, but had insecurity. Gideon was an insecure person in the story. And I could identify with that. I think a lot of people have insecurities and wonder if they're meant to be great. And I had no doubt because of my early life and affirmations that I had skills and I had talents and gifts, no doubt. But it's that internal wrestling of kind of getting over yourself in some ways and recognizing that that, that extraordinary things do happen through ordinary people. So our mantra and our thing is really about esteeming people. Barbers and beauticians are all about esteeming people. You know, beautification is more than just putting something on you, it's drawing something out. And so we as Gideon's Barbershop and Gideon and the company want to kind of draw out that goodness in people and inspire what's already there. Um, everyday people, common folks, average Joes and ordinary cats. So hmm. this is what we're here to do. Let's come up, come alongside you. Do more people know you as Jacob or do more people call you Gideon? Well, there are some people who call me Gideon and I have to be like, no, we are Gideon. We are Gideon. I'm not Gideon anymore. My artist name is Gideon. It's short. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the hard thing but most people do know me as Jacob okay. you know and I can go on a tangent about another artist Jacob Lawrence which I won't I'll just say the name y'all can look him up um and so just knowing I'm an artist it's always gonna be that challenge you hear rappers talk about it all the time and other painters it's like people want to come up and call you by your artist name and sometimes you're like I'm just having a meal and I'm just good old Jacob Lawrence Dice hi I'm not a superstar right now but that's the tension of um, being visible for people and, and that people when people admire what you do. Hey, I want to ask you about some other businesses you're working yeah. with too. I'm not quite clear on what the what the connection is here, so I'll let you explain yeah. it to me. But you've also worked with a sort of a consortium of minority-owned businesses in that yeah. local area, kind of right around where you are. Uh, Soul Bowl, Tucks and Hams, and Benny Fitz others among businesses. Yeah. What is the connection there? What is your goal yeah. collectively? These are family members. This is friends and family. My mom, Rita Picard, is a, a tailor for all of my life and beyond. And she decided to start a business, Tucks and Hems by Rita. And, you know, I first and foremost wanted to work alongside her, but she's a, a craft person. So we plan on and have done some work together to educate people around that life skill of sewing. Soul Bowl with Chef Gerard Class and Brittany Class and their family. They've been friends of mine. I uh, actually catered my wedding back in 2012. And so I like to say that I was the first gig for them. But <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, we still represent. They've done there their own go. thing. And they really inspired me to really take the step to having a shop. And not, you know, and be a barber, but also give other people opportunities to, to let their light shine. Yeah. Benny. Uh, Roberts is a man of many hats. He's an animator, he's an illustrator, he's a musician, and he's just a close friend of mine. And so all three of those people who have businesses practice a good work and life balance, and they are Gideon for me. They inspire me in just their regularness, but also their exceptionalism. So yeah, they're, they're life and style partners. Nice. So you kind of work as a group together as a business yeah. pool resources or just ideas, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. We're a village. We're a village and we're helping, um, I guess, inspire one another, but inspire the next generation together. Just in what we do 
entrepreneurially and just at home, but our home life. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, final question for you. And Jacob Dyche has been our guest here, uh, part of the Twins Community Game Changers program between the Twins and Valley Sports North. Uh, he is the founder owner of Gideon's Barbershop in Minneapolis. I read on your, I think it was on your website about closing the literacy gap and, and paying attention to children who want to see themselves represented. Could you just explain to me some of your work around that? Because uh, I think it's an important cause. Yeah. You know, I have to give all honor to Artika Tyner, who is the founder of uh, Planning People Growing Justice Learning Institute. She's amazing, very uh, much so digging her roots deep into um, creating, helping literacy um, as a means for justice. You know, seeing the justice system, a lot of folks don't read, can't read. And so if we can teach that process and understand some of the brokenness of the criminal justice system, the individual has the power to articulate and to understand sometimes the, the, the legality that's coming their way. She's a, she herself is a, an attorney, but even more than that, right? So she's inspired me because she's kind of has this Gideon uh, persona to me. It's like, she's kind of regular, but she's so exceptional. Uh, and she does that, right? People who, who know that they have something bomb to give the world, but recognize their humanity and that that's where the power is. She's, you know, a big thing. So, so, to make it short, um, I always wanted to have a library at the shop. Yeah. And not only do I have a library where people can sit down and read from, but I also have a, a bookstore that people can purchase from. And that is from Planting People Growing Justice and this Artika Tyner. So, you know, grateful to have them on board. Well, that is, it's fantastic. It's all in line with the work that you're doing at Gideon. Uh, for listeners, if you want to get your hair cut, meet Jacob. Uh, I want to make sure I got the cross streets right. 35th and Cedar, right by uh, Matt's Bar? Yes, 1832 East 35th Street. Yes. Nice. And you can find them online. Just search for Gideon's Barbershop and you'll find what you need there. Uh, Jacob Dyche has been our guest. He's the founder owner of Gideon's Barbershop, part of the Game Changers program. Jacob, it's been great talking with you. Thanks for taking some time for Twins today. Thank you, sir. Much love. More Twins Baseball coming up after this. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. 2-2 pitch, well struck. Right field and deep for Nick Gordon. Does it have the legs? You bet it does. Home run number two for Nick Gordon. Take a lap. It's 3-0 Twins. Well, welcome back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. I am your host, Derek Wetmore, and I've got the distinct pleasure of introducing you to our next guest. You heard him on the home run call there. Getting to introduce him for the first time as a big league starting shortstop, he is Nick Gordon. Nick, how's it going today? It's good. How are you? I'm great. I appreciate you asking, and a fun moment for us to be able to watch you start a game as a shortstop. Uh... I understand Rocco texted you the lineup the night before, so you knew you'd be getting that uh, that moment at your preferred position. Nick, what was uh, what was that moment like for you when Rocco let you know? Uh, it was awesome. I definitely was looking forward to it. Um, you know, just kind of took it all in. Uh, when I would trust myself, trust my instincts, and uh, it was a great day. Glad we got the win. Yeah, and a great show for you, too, with the Homer, of course. Um, I remember when we were talking with you for your Big League call-up earlier this year when you got the call and just kind of, 
don't know, beside yourself, excited almost. Uh, any of that feeling sort of come back for you as you were starting a game at shortstop for the first time yesterday? Uh, yeah, it felt really good. Um, you know, just knowing that I was definitely drafted as a shortstop. So, you know, getting a chance to walk on the field when I got drafted and, you know, yesterday getting a chance to be back out at shortstop for you know, my first game here in Target Field. Oh, that was awesome. Um, it felt amazing uh, just to, you know, be able to get out there and to do it and, you know, to play next to the guys that I was playing next to, Polanco and Louie. And, oh, man, it was awesome. It was fun. Yeah. yeah it's been fun following your story, obviously. Uh winding journey to the big leagues but we're happy to have you here now and just seeing the the lots of firsts for you this year uh, including moving around the diamond a whole ton and when you're coming up as a prospect you just mentioned it drafted as a shortstop i think a lot of people myself included nick viewed you as a as a middle infielder shortstop maybe some second base flexibility but you've played third this year you've played now short and second also played primarily in center field and then even a little bit of left field Gosh, what has this learning year been like for you when not only are you learning new positions, Nick, that's not lost on me, but you're doing it against the best players in the world? Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's fun to get out and to learn, you know, different uh, positions on the field. Uh, not really expecting to, you know, play much outfield this year when I first, you know, came to spring and things like that. And to be able to get out there and to be able to get that opportunity is awesome. And, uh, I, you know, I learned a lot of stuff. I was just watching guys, um, watching the best do it, you know, watching Buck and, and things like that. And, man, just to, you know, to get out there and to actually believe that I can do it as well, you know, and play play different positions and things like that. It feels great. It feels great to, you know, be able to expand, you know, what I can do on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love your attitude about it. It's, it's, I know some guys could hear the news that, hey, we want you to play around. We want you to add some versatility. Uh, and they might take that kind of hard. And I personally, from my perspective, I think you've done a great job with taking that as, a, as an opportunity and running with it. How would you assess how it's gone for you? Just from a performance standpoint, uh, I guess I'm mostly curious as an outfielder because I know, I know you can do it on in the infield. What have you thought about your outfield trials this year and, and with the Twins? I think they've been okay. Definitely, you know, there's always room for improvement. And I'm looking forward to getting better uh, at all positions. Um, you know, just getting better reads on balls, you know, cutting balls off better in the gap, things like that, just knowing, you know, where to be and knowing where others should be. You know, just continuing to learn. Uh, that's really the biggest part, continuing to learn, get, you know, more and more confident at the positions and, you know, just kind of trusting myself more and more as we go. And you know, I'm definitely looking forward to getting that opportunity. Yeah. No, it's cool, and and uh, like I said, great to see you at shortstop last night. Twins fans, our guest is Nick Gordon. He started at short for the first time in the big leagues yesterday and hit a hit a big home run, too. Uh, that is a part of his game that maybe talked about a little bit less, but he's definitely got some pop in that bat. Um, you, you talked about some of the guys you played with yesterday, Nick. You, you mentioned Polo, and you mentioned Louis Arise. Andrelton Simmons is a fascinating one to me because – I've I've watched a lot of Angels games, I guess, over the years. And uh, over the past 10 years, gosh, it's hard to name a shortstop who's done it better than Andrelton. 
have you had a chance to learn from him this year? Or I, I guess if I can just ask the blunt question that it seems to me there's some competition there with your teammates. So I, I never know what that dynamic is like. What's your been, what's been your experience, excuse me, uh, working alongside somebody like Andrelton Simmons this year? Oh man, Sim, Simba's one of the best. He's definitely, if not the best to do it, you know, at that position, he's, Man, he's so he's so sound, he's so smooth, he's relaxed, he's calm. You know, you can learn so much just by watching, just by listening to him talk. Um, yeah, he he really has a feel for the position. He knows what he's doing, and you know that's the kind of guys you want to be around. Those are the kind of guys you want to learn from. And you know, he anything that you know, if I ever needed anything or any help, he'd always be there. So just having him, you know, is 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 awesome, man. Because it. <laughs> can't really get not really too much better to watch you know, and he's always in the right place he's always you know doing the right things and he, he well, man he's a great shortstop and definitely if you want to be a great shortstop you gotta watch the best so yeah no no it's a great point and um i'm just kind of curious i know not as many ground balls in a game but you can take grounders in uh, early work and stuff like that do you have an example of something you've picked up from him this year i mean just for listeners for twins fans who are really interested in the finer details does does any one thing jump out to you that I I've like I'd like to add this to my game because of something I've seen from Simmons this year? Uh yes, he practices just how he plays. You know, he practices perfect. Um which I would say, you know, it's not that I I didn't do those things, but you know, just kind of taking more control of doing that, you know, and not taking even in practice not taking, you know, throws off or taking swings off and he just does it right man he does it right that's why you know in the game it looks the way it does and he does things the way that he does because he's already been in that situation he's prepared himself and he's one of the best to prepare so you know uh man ground taking ground balls before the game things like that just whenever he's there whenever he's out there you know that's, that's the time to learn that's the time to be all ears yeah, no, it's a great answer, uh, and it's great insight there. Uh, twins fans, our guest is Nick Gordon. Does a little bit of everything with the Twins. Started at shortstop for the first time in the big leagues yesterday with the big home run, too. Uh, hey, Nick, uh, you and I haven't had a, a ton of chances to talk since as a few years ago in spring training when we we caught up but i understand just from from being around this team this year i understand that you and jk have kind of a a nice relationship um he was giving you a hard time in a recent video that i saw posted on social media but what is that uh, that relationship between you and cave like oh yeah cave's my brother yeah he's a <laughs> great guy man I, I got the chance to play with him a couple years that uh, we played together in rochester for a little okay um, and man, since he since he's uh, been a part of our organization, uh, he's been he's been one of my guys, man. He's he's my brother. He's definitely family. Um, the game of baseball has made us a lot closer, and you know uh, those it's those type of relationships that you you know you definitely uh, you appreciate. You know, and and there forever. So he's definitely yeah, that's, that's my boy. Yeah, nice. Well, we were hoping you could maybe help him come out of his shell a little bit. He's been really shy and reserved, and not 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 quick at all to open up his mouth. We we were hoping you could maybe open him up. Oh man, yeah, he he definitely he's definitely open. Once you get to know him, he's a oh, he's he's a character. Uh, he's always keeping us laughing, of course. Uh, so I, you hit a homer yesterday, Nick. We talked to, a little bit about the shortstop, but obviously, man. Uh, getting a chance to talk to you on the radio here the day after uh, a big home run, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about that. Um, I was looking through the, the the data. This is the hardest ball you've hit in the air this year. What was that um, moment like for you, that home run, and what, what we've already said, kind of a big game for you in your career? 
Uh, it felt good. Uh, I was having some good VP, took some good swings uh, before the game, things like that. So I felt, you know, I felt like I was in a good position and uh, I got a pitch that I could handle and drove it well. Um, just kind of, it felt, it felt good, you know, it, just putting in hard work once you, you know, you work hard and you achieve the things that you're trying to do. You no, know, it feels good. So yeah, just kind of something to build off of, something to keep going off of. And uh, we're going to keep working hard. Yeah, a lot of times, and a lot of Twins fans, we only get to see you when the lights are on. We don't always get to see that hard work that goes on behind the scenes. And I guess I think that's especially true in the last couple of years. But, um, Nick, what are you working on as a hitter? I, I, I've seen you for a number of years now. I mentioned in spring and now getting to see you in the big leagues. What is it that you're working on trying to get better at each day? Uh, definitely uh, taking better pitches. Um. You know, sometimes I swing out of the zone a little bit too often. I feel like I get myself out, you know, more times than usual. And that's, you know, that's really the thing is just staying consistent. You know, having great at-bats. You um, can't really control where you hit it, but you can't control the at-bat. You know, yeah. you, can, you can definitely uh, put on a fight, um, never give in, never take a pitch off, always making adjustments, just things like that, just trying to become a better baseball player all around. You know, uh, even when it comes to hitting, just trying to become – you know, using my instincts, being smart, and just, you know, becoming the best that I can be. Yeah, you see a swing like that yesterday and and, and see some BP even. Rocco mentioned uh, you can you can click on a ball. Is that something that's going to be a part of your game going forward, a little bit of a power stroke? Uh, I hope so. You know, with hard work, you know, definitely uh, feeling better. My body's feeling a lot better. So, you know, getting after it a little bit more in the weight room and things like that, uh, I really hope to make that a part of my game. Yeah, nice. And I know you, you dealt with your own uh, personal health challenges and stuff over the past couple of years, but it sounded earlier, Nick, like that's all behind you. And now you just mentioned uh, kind of hitting it in the weight room. How are you feeling in terms of the grind of the season as we get here and we're in the final month of the big league grind? How are you do doing just, I mean, day-to-day -day physically healthy? Oh, man, every day I wake up, I, you know, I'm blessed to be able to wake up and uh, – come to this baseball field and, you know, do this for a living. So, oh man, any day that I can get up and I, I'm not feeling sick like I was is a blessing to me. So I have nothing to complain about. No, no I love the perspective. And you've always had that. Uh, just seems like a, just a, a, a great outlook on it all. And I'm curious, uh, last one here, Nick, before we let you go, and uh, really appreciate you carving out this time on a game day uh, before a game here for us. Big picture. Where where do you see yourself in this thing? We talked about Simba earlier. He's on a one-year deal with the Twins. Do you, do you ever pause to think about uh, where this is headed as you look into the, the winter and even ahead into 2022? Uh, no, I don't really look too far ahead mm. as far as, you know, where I'll be or, or what will happen, things like that. I just honestly go out every single day and I work hard, man. I, you know, uh, the Twins are, are great. This is a great organization, and I'm pretty sure they know you know, the things that they want us to do and the things that the places they want us to be. And, you know, every opportunity I get, I'm going to try to take advantage of it and just continue to work hard, bust my butt, and leave it all on the field. So I feel like all that stuff will take care of itself. Awesome. Well, it's great insight, Nick. It's been great catching up with you here on Twins Today. Thank you for carving out some time for us in your morning. Definitely. Thank you. That's the voice of Nick Gordon, big league shortstop. We can now say officially. Gets his first start for the Twins at short yesterday. Hits a big home run and uh, trying to etch his name into the Twins' plans going forward. Just been a fun journey to follow. Some unfortunate turns for Gordon since he was uh, picked, I think it was fifth overall in 2014. But 
easy guy to root for and, uh, of course, wish him continued success. Um, coming up on the show, we are going to talk with uh, uh, another middle infielder who's moved around a bit this year, but a minor leaguer, Jose Miranda, is uh, was kind enough to carve out some time earlier this week. I sat down with Jose over at CHS Field in Lower Town, St. Paul, to talk about his minor league season, the year that he's put together with the, well, first double-A Wichita wind surge, but then following a promotion to the St. Paul Saints and talk all things hitting and positioning with Jose Miranda. That's coming up next on Twins Today, which is driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars, this is the time of the show where, as we do each week on this program, catching up with Jeremy from the Maurer Auto Group to tell you all about what they've got going on. This one, this is about more than cars. It's a conversation with Jeremy from the Maurer Auto Group. Jeremy, how is it going today? It's going great. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for asking. Jeremy, we were talking about how Mauer Auto Group is more than cars. We've talked about that a little bit in the past, you and I. You guys had a, a special weekend in that regard this weekend. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the, like a couple of weeks ago, we teased that one, and it, and it happened. It was obviously 9-11. It's a very somber event, but it is a 20th anniversary for the 9-11 tragedy. So we teamed up with a group called 23rd Veteran. Their website is 23rdveteran.org. And what they do is they help veterans get back into society when they come back from war. And they held a, it's called the Nearly Naked Ruck March. And I know that sounds weird, but what it is, is these guys strap up a 60-pound backpack, which is called a ruck in the military world. I've learned that. And they aren't in full uniform, but they are in fitness clothes because what it is, it's a fitness march. And they get people to donate money. So it's a very big fundraiser for them. And they chose Anoka to do their big ruck fest. We gave away a car on Saturday. And we gave it away to a very deserving veteran. He's, an, he's a great guy. And uh, he was injured in Afghanistan. But the, the most important thing about him is he helps out other veterans. So his car kind of died a few months ago so he was in quite a bit of need but mm. he's up at haven for heroes in town here which again you can go to their website and check them out but they help veterans with housing and a lot of the things he does is helping other veterans by taking them to doctor's appointments picking up prescriptions helping them with groceries and he likes to drive people around and go get him stuff so you know in our tradition with more than cars we're continuing with that because this is more than a car giveaway. This is helping more than one veteran. So when we heard his story and all of this came together, it's like it was just meant to be. So it was a big, big Saturday. And it's just, this is the stuff that you see at our website, the MauerAutoGroup.com website. It was a special day. It was a, it was a really big day. That's our big goal here. You know, when we say more than cars, you know, we talk about the Lease Elite program. It's more than leases. When you buy a car from us, it's more than cars. We're going to take care of you on every aspect of it. And when we donate something, it's more than that one donation. We try to make everything more than what it sounds like. He's Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group, and you can go to MauerAutoGroup.com to learn more about that. And Jeremy, one more time for people, that website of the group that you were working with, just in case somebody wants to go check out and learn more. Yeah, go ahead and check out their website. It's super cool looking. It's 23rdveteran.org. 23rdveteran.org. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show today. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend.
All right, we are here at CHS Field with Twins hitting prospect Jose Miranda. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and this is Twins Today. Jose, first of all, uh, thanks for taking the time and joining us today. Sir, thank you for having me. Well, it's an honor to get to talk to you. We've been uh, talking with your coaches throughout the season and watching your rise. Um, what has this year, 2021, been like for you? Well, it's been a little bit, uh, a little bit different than the past years. I know, like, uh, different starting time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like a longer season. I don't know why, um, but it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. Well, it's good, and we've been following you on the field. We've been watching your promotion from Wichita to now here in St. Paul. Um, did you have any goals like this, like a promotion, coming into the season uh, last winter? Yeah, yeah, of course. There is. I mean, the main goal every year is to like climb level. Yeah. So, uh, it, like for me, it was when they told me like I was gonna start in Double A. I was like, damn, I'm gonna do my best so I can like jump from Double A to Triple A as quick as possible. And then it was it was pretty quick. It was like a month and a half. So I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it really was really quick, and I'm curious what your 2020 was like because a lot of minor league baseball was shut down. Some players I know would come to the alternate training site. Yeah. The Twins actually had theirs here in St. Paul. What was 2020 like for you, Jose? Well, it was it was a weird year, obviously, for everyone. Um, I was back home, so I had to do pretty much everything back home. Okay. Work out, um, gym, whenever I could because, you know, it was kind of like closed, and then they opened it back. Um, but I mean, I was trying to get ready, like stop, stay ready, get ready for anything that could happen. And you know, it was it was weird, but it was it was good too. So and you see now, like now 2021, it's kind of like we're going back to normal, so it's great. I'm fascinated about the the gym routine, so I want to ask you about that in a second. But first, let me ask you about your hometown. Uh, you grew up in Puerto Rico, so is that where you went for 2020? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and I was in Puerto Rico the whole 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, born in, is it Monty? Manatee. Manatee, yeah, but, but that's not where you grew up. Where did you grow up? No, I grew up in uh, Vega Alta and Vega Baja. Okay. In both, both cities, yeah. I was in Vega Baja for quite a bit, and then when I was like growing up, I moved to Vega Alta, so in both cities. Okay, so Vega Baja, Vega Alta, yeah. those are pretty close to each yeah, other? Five minutes away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked this up before I came over here. Uh, are you familiar with Bayamon, where uh, Jose Brios is from? Yeah, yeah, a little familiar. Uh, my grandparents lived there, so... I was there like for a bit too. Okay. Yeah. Now that's a little bit of a drive away. It's not like your next door neighbors or anything. Five minutes, maybe. Did you know Jose Barrios? Uh, he was drafted in 2012 by the Twins. Yourself, you were drafted in 2016. Yeah. No, I, I, I met him when I came here, when I, wanted to, when I got drafted by the Twins. Yeah. I think like the second year, maybe, when I was here in 2017, I think that was when I met him. Okay. Yeah. What was uh, that experience like? Uh, I know there are a few Puerto Ricans in the big leagues, but it has to be kind of cool when one of them is your teammate. Oh yeah, no, it was it was pretty good, especially being with him. He's a nice like nice guy, great yeah. dude, and it's just like it's it's good and fun being around him. Jose, who were your baseball influences growing up? Were there people you watched or followed, guys that you wanted to be like when you got older? Yeah, um, I really like A Rod when I was when I was growing up. A Rod and, and Jeter both um, really liked them a lot. So I think those two were pretty much the ones that I really liked. Did you model your game after either one of them? I know you played a little shortstop in yeah. the past. Now some third yeah. base, second, left field. Well, when I was growing up, um, I would model my game to Jeter because okay. I, I would play. I was playing shortstop. I played a lot of shortstop when I was growing up. So it was like I liked I like Jeter. I like his game. So like him. Did you get a chance? He was inducted into the Hall of Fame this past week. Did you see any of that? Uh, well, I saw after. Uh, okay. I saw the, the videos and highlights of it. It was pretty nice. The speech he gave, it was, yeah. it was pretty cool. 
were the Yankees your team, or is that just a coincidence that you liked those guys growing up? Uh, no, they, they were my team. Okay. They were my favorite team when I was growing up, but, I mean, you know, now it's different. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's hard to have a favorite team yeah. when you're playing professional baseball. Yeah. But, okay, 2016, you get drafted by the Minnesota Twins in the second round of the compensation round. What is that? I guess, moment like for you, because I know you had to have scouts around, but yeah. what was draft day like for you? Well, it was, it was, it was a big day, obviously, because I mean, you're waiting for your uh, dream to come true, like the first dream. Um, I was anxious, yeah. nervous, um, but when the moment came, when the call came, it was just happy, excited. My family was happy. Everyone was excited. So it's, it, it was fun. It was <laughs> fun. One of my best days so far. Take us inside. What was the gathering like? You said it was your family there, and were you watching the draft or waiting for the call? Yeah, I was. I was watching the draft. Um, I was at my uh, grandma's house, so I kind of knew I was either going in the second round or third round. Okay. So it was like in, in between. So we were like waiting, waiting because we we weren't we weren't sure if I was going in the second one or the, in the third round. So, but when they called us, it was just satisfying. I mean, enjoyment. We enjoyed it. So scouts have always talked about your ability to hit, your ability to hit to all fields. I've never had a chance to ask you because this is the first time I've met you, Jose. How do you describe yourself as a hitter and, and your scouting report for yourself? Well, I think I'm a hitter that I think I can go from gap to gap, uh, which is pretty good. Um, a contact hitter, um, some power, <laughs> I gotta say. I don't know what else to say. Um, good hitter, good hitter. <laughs> So that's my, that's what, I, uh, that's what I can say. What are you working on? I've, I've talked to some of your coaches about your development coming through as a hitter or as just a player in general. What kinds of things are you trying to, uh, to make stronger? Well, when I came to the season, I was trying to get better um, at swinging at better pitches, uh, pitches on the zone, on the strike zone, because I, um, I have so much contact that some, sometimes I give out myself. Yeah. So instead of swinging at those pitches that I'm not going to do damage, just take them. Like, doesn't matter if it's a strike or a ball. Sure. You're gonna have two more, two more strikes. So, I think this year I made a, a really big, um, a better approach. I had a better approach at the uh, the plate and physically um, getting better with my my body and agility, moving better to the sides, yeah. more range. So that was my that was my mentality going into the season. One of the coaches that I've talked with in the past talks about your ability to pick pitches now, yeah. and that's something you just touched on that. Because you can hit a ball that's a foot outside, doesn't mean that you shouldn't necessarily swing at that. Oh, I have two questions about this. Who first taught you that to start to uh, make your strike zone smaller and smaller? Yeah, well, um, the coaches uh, in uh, instructional league last year yeah. were working with that. Um, uh, it was, uh, well, pretty much all, all of the coaches, they were yeah. like helping me and saying to me, like, you're a good hitter right now, but if you can get better at that, you're going to be a great hitter. So... Seeing like the how I got better this year, it's just like you can tell. Damn, like he's doing he's doing what he like was working on, uh, what he was working on. And I mean, hard work pays off. Yeah. So I think it's paying off so far. You talk about hard work, and that's another thing that I've been told about you is that you work incredibly hard, uh, just off the field and on your body to get ready for this stuff. Um, so a follow-up to the last question about the strike zone and the hitting zone that you're trying to make smaller and smaller. 
how do you work on that? Is it as simple as just have somebody throw you, you know, pitches outside the strike zone and watch them? I mean, what is the, uh, the drills and training to, to get better at that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of drills um, in the practice, like with different, uh, different balls. Maybe they tell you, hey, I'm going to throw you this ball. And if it's, if it's not, uh, maybe the ball has like two colors, let's say. Okay. It has like a green color or a red color. If it's red, you're going to swing. If it's green, you're not going to swing. Or from different type of drills. There's a lot of drills that you can work with. But it's just like taking into the game. And the game is just like having a tough mentality when you're at home. Like yeah. home plate. Like, okay, I want to swing at this pitch. Specifically this pitch. Yeah. So it's it's not easy. Not easy to do, but... When you when you get the work in, it's, it gets a little bit easier. I try to remember that all the time when we're talking about baseball. It's it's one thing to say it, yeah. another thing to do it on the field. Who are some of the coaches, or if it's if it's twin staff, or maybe you have your own hitting coaches that you work with? Who are the names of people that you work with closely on that? Yeah, well, I work with uh, Ryan Smith, that's okay. the double A hitting coach, sure. with Matt Borshoto, our triple A hitting coach. Yeah. Those were the two guys that I was working with a lot. Uh, I worked with Ryan in Instructional League. I was with him now in AA in Wichita, and I was working with, I mean, Borgs, with Borgs Shuttle now here yeah. in AAA. But uh, I had Borgs in 2019 in Hyatt, so okay. we had like a long, like like a nice relationship since 19. Nice. And we've been working so far since back then nice yeah well, that's really cool nice to have the continuity yeah. and you talked about your your workouts so I want to circle back to that question in the off season what is I guess the priority for you uh, improving your body physically so that you can do these things not only offensively but also defensively yeah no I guess what are your goals yeah my goals yeah no no my goals is to well obviously I want to get I, I always want to feel like good on good shape Okay. Um, so my mindset for this offseason, I want to get in better shape. I want to feel like I'm a little bit faster okay. so I can move better. Um, I got my own trainer in Puerto Rico, sure. which like he has my routine. He knows what I need to do. I told him what I want to do, and so it's, it's, it's good. Um, but I, I, I do some, uh, some track, okay. um, beach workouts, which those are good too. Who's your trainer? Uh, Eli Hernandez. Okay. Eli Hernandez, yeah. In Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, yeah. Okay, great. He's and been my trainer since I was like 14. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Since I was like 14. So before your draft, was he at the draft party? Uh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, positionally, I've seen you play a number of spots on the diamond, both at Wichita and now in St. Yeah. Paul. What's your favorite position, and what's the position that you think you're best at? Oof, that's a tough one. Well, maybe favorite position, I might say second. Okay. I think, yeah, it's a tough one from either second or third. Sure. And which one I'm best at? Um, I got to say either second or third. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, either one. Jose Miranda is our guest for Twins fans just joining us now. He uh, was at AA Wichita, got promoted to AAA St. Paul, where we are sitting in the dugout at beautiful CHS over in Lower Town, St. Paul. Jose, I didn't prepare you for this question. What does the tattoo on your arm mean to you? Oh, this, oh, this one right here? Yeah. Or this one? Right here. This, this is one, the one I this, this is one, uh, this is my uh, grandma's, my grandma's uh, birthday. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, so she she, uh, she passed away in 19. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And then, yeah, it's fine. But she passed away in 19 and like I grew up with her a lot. Yeah. I was with her a lot. So I was like, I want to do something like, for her. So I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And, you know, I got her 
her uh, birthday. So you put her on your arm. You, you have other tattoos as well. Well, I got that are important P. to you. Yeah, I got this one too. Okay. Yeah, the P. What's the P mean on your bicep? Um, that's for my um uh, my fiance's my fiance's uh first name letter. Oh great. So uh yeah, I got that one, and then she got like a small one too, like on the back. Oh great. Which is mine, like I'll say. So yeah. I would like to get a couple more, so. Okay, more in the works. Yeah. So a big hitter in double A, now in triple A, hitting 338 at St. Paul, 398 on base. Um, the fun story from earlier this year was what, your promotion here to St. Paul, first game was on your 23rd birthday. Yeah. Uh, pretty special day at the plate, hit three homers that game. What was that day like for you? Well, it was it was, it was was crazy, but it was it was a pretty fun day, you know, like that's, that's one thing like, you can dream of like, oh, if I hit three home runs one day, but it came to happen. My first game at AAA, my like call up, my birthday, which it, it was, I mean, it was unreal. And that five hits too, yeah. it, was, it was, it was like a dream. It was like a dream. Yeah. yeah. What's the promotion like? Um, you're in Wichita, Kansas and a uh, great stadium there in its first yeah. season now, but St. Paul is a, is a great stadium as well. I've been coming here for years. Yeah. What was that promotion like to be one level away from the major leagues? Oh man, it was it was great when uh, when Borrego told me I was I was getting called up. As Ramon Borrego Ramon told you? Borrego, yeah, okay. he was the one that told me. I mean, I was just I was excited. I was I was ready to be here, and then I mean, in my mind, I was like, wow, I'm so I'm so close now. It's just one more level, and then that's the main goal, like the, your dream, yeah. get into the big. So just gotta keep working hard, and let's see if I get. Uh, Hold up. Yeah. You know, that's that's the that's the dream. So. Well, we're rooting for you, certainly, and hope to see continued success. Uh, final question for you, Jose Miranda. Have the Twins talked to you about a plan either for this year or going into the offseason? What kinds of conversations do you have with uh, with the Twins, whether it's the coaching staff here or anybody else in the front office? Yeah, well, I mean, um, right now we, we haven't talked a lot because sure. we're going to wait, like, until the season's done, and then whenever the season's done, that's when, like, all the – conversation yeah. starts okay. and what I'm going to do for the offseason, what are the plans. Yeah. So, yeah, but just now it's just keep playing, controlling what I can control. That's the main thing and just keep working hard. That's yeah. it. Good. Yeah. Well, Jose, we wish you continued success and thanks so much for talking with us today. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's Jose Miranda. Catch him over at AAA St. Paul with the Saints, but uh, catch him quick before you miss your opportunity. Okay, more Twins baseball after this. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Well, welcome back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. A fun interview there. We just played the tape of Jose Miranda, the hitman down in the minor leagues with the St. Paul Saints. Another fun interview coming up. Uh, Perkins, three-time all-star, Glenn Perkins. He closes the show appropriately. Glenn, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, gosh, I was working on the closer pun all night, and it just didn't come off. <laughs> Well, when you asked me when I wanted to come on, it was natural that I was going to be right. at the end of the show. So, <laughs> so Glenn here to uh, help us close out Twins today. Uh, after this interview, you've got Inside Twins. It's a conversation between Chris Atterbury and Mike Radcliffe, the VP of Player Personnel with the Twins and newest inductee into the Scouts Hall of Fame. Glenn, I actually should ask you that off the top. You know Mike Radcliffe a little bit from all the time you guys have spent together. In the Twins organization, yeah, mostly uh, I would see him down in spring training. He spent he spent a fair amount of time down there uh, in the winters, I believe, is when I would see him when I was over at the stadium or at the facility getting ready later in my career. And uh, yeah, I know he's done a lot for this organization, and um, you know, been a part of a lot of successful teams. So good honor for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, and, and I think uh, he's he's identified some pretty good talent that the Twins have acquired over the years. You could say that again. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a, a fair statement for sure. So Glenn Perkins, our guest here to close out the show, and we were talking just briefly off-air, Perk, before uh, we came on here about Joe Ryan, and he's obviously the big piece that came back in the Nelson Cruz trade. You look at the strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. He has like a 35% strikeout rate back with AAA Durham. Struck out half the guys he faced in St. Paul before getting here. What do you see that makes Joe Ryan so special? Because I think if, if you were just at the game at Target Field, you wouldn't see the arsenal and think, oh, this guy's going to be a dude. Look out for him. What, what, what makes him special? You know, I, I think there's a few things. And, and what uh, when, when before he made his first start, I was working that game. And I had talked to Josh Kelk downstairs, and yeah. then I had talked to Derek Falvey. And, uh, um, well, I got – Corey Provis had talked to Derek, and then I got some info from him. But what they like about him is is that he throws his fastball. And yeah. that's that's a oddity in the game now, and that he'll throw it early in counts like everybody does, but that, that he uses it as a strikeout pitch. You just don't see that very often anymore. Yeah. And so it's it's a different look there. But that fastball in particular, um, it, it plays up, you know, and, and he's anywhere from like 89 to 93 with it. But I think that it, it, it plays as like a mid-90s fastball, and he hides the ball really well. And there's been a lot of talk about the water polo and, and his throwing motion because sure. of that. And, and he doesn't generate a ton of spin, which is odd. You would think that a guy with a fastball that 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 velo- you know plays higher than its velocity would be a high spin fastball, but it's right around league average. But he lets the ball go so low, and so it almost comes out of like his shoulder. Huh. And and without getting too deep into it, there's a thing called attack angle. So it's how you're throwing the ball, and you hear actually you know announcers and people on TV and radio talking about you know good down good down angle good tilt. On a, on a pitch and, and he's the other way so he actually in a way almost throws that ball up mm, yeah at, at like an up angle so those high fastballs normally when a hitter sees that their brain's telling him this ball is going to succumb to some gravity right and it's going to be right here it's going to sure. be three inches below where it is right now that's where my brain's telling me to swing so i'm going to swing there and the ball isn't coming in on the same plane okay and so in talking to to the the guys with the twins they liked his swing rate, his his miss rate, sorry, on that fastball. And and that was the thing that stood out for them. You see so many guys that throw sliders and get strikeouts. And, and so a guy that attacks differently, a guy that has a different look fastball, that's what they're always looking for is, is some is some outlier. Right, what makes you a, different. A pitch, yeah. And and I think that they believe in his work ethic. I think that they believe in his in, – in, you know, what his off-speed pitches, his slider, and his changeup are going to develop into. They're both maybe average pitches. Okay. But it's that fastball and, and, and his willingness to attack, his, his trust in it. Um, you, you don't see young guys have that kind of trust in a fastball, especially when it's maybe 92. So right. I, I think that's that's what they like about him. And, and, you know, it was amazing watching him pitch. And, and later in his first start, he was throwing 89 miles an hour, and he was still throwing balls by guys. And that's where you know that there's something different yeah. about about that pitch. And those things are hard to make adjustments to. Like, there's guys that you see that the, the league will adjust to them. Sure, yeah, yeah. But when you're doing something, that's why, you know, uh, the Twins front office likes outliers because 
you see the same thing over and over, and then now you see this guy doing something, and, it, and it's completely different. It's hard to adjust to that. Yeah. And it's really hard. I, I think I, – I, I really do think if he stays healthy that the league's going to have a tough time adjusting to a delivery and a, and a fastball that's moving in the way his is moving. It's kind of like what Josh Donaldson talked about earlier in the year. He said, how many sliders have I seen in my life, in my career, as a major leaguer even? How many sliders has Nelson Cruz seen? And this was when he was talking about the sticky stuff that, oh, now this looks different. Why? Why does this look different? They know in their in their brain, I guess in their, their, their database in there, whatever you want to call it, that this is what it's supposed to do. Joe Ryan breaks that mold. He, he, he takes a hitter and... Uh, it's just, it's like you said, it's unconventional. I'm glad you brought up the league adjusting because that's exactly where I was going next. If, if it looks different than everybody's fastball, maybe you don't expect to see a dip then the second time, the third time he sees these guys. No, and, and even the adjustments or the lack of adjustments that the Cubs hitters made, and the, and the Indians hitters in the second start for that matter. It's perfect through they, six innings. They didn't make adjustments, and, and I've talked a lot about these young guys, you know, and Bailey Ober starting today, where, you know, you expect teams to make adjustments, you expect hitters to make adjustments, and, and, and they've done a good job adjusting to those adjustments. And, and so, you know, Major League hitters, I think, make adjustments. You know, the good ones are adjusting pitch to pitch. If they get beat by a pitch, they're going to make sure that they don't get beat by that pitch again. Yeah. You know, where, where maybe some of the, the other major league hitters or guys, you know, minor league type hitters or, you know, back and forth guys might adjust at bat to at bat or game to game. Um, you're not seeing those adjustments being made or, or they're trying to make adjustments, but they're not it's successful in making those adjustments. How many, how many fastballs do you see Joe Ryan throw by a guy? How many fastballs do you see Bailey Ober throw in the same spot by guys? It's hard to adjust to something that you're not used to seeing. It, it, the repetition that Josh Donaldson and Nelson Cruz see, they know that your average slider moves in a certain way. Your average fastball moves in a certain way. And, and so when you have a guy that has a pitch that doesn't move in the conventional manner, it's really hard to make adjustments on that because you're still going to go back in, in an at-bat and see that pitch and say, all right, this is – this is where the 10,000 that I've seen have gone, and I know that I need to swing right there and I can hit this ball to right center field, but it doesn't end up there. And you only have a fraction of a second. Yeah. So you can't, you can't tell your brain, I need to swing an inch higher. Yeah, I remember this it, one's it, different. It doesn't work. It, your, you know, your brain and your swing don't work like that. Okay. And, and so with guys like that, and it, it's, it's going to come down you know, for Joe Ryan more to command if he can continue to throw the ball in the location that he wants. All of the other things are, are the repeatable skills. Sure. His release point is re repeatable. He's done that his whole life. But it's just, you know, it, when and inevitably he'll have a bad game and, and he'll struggle and he'll give up some runs and all those things. Every, everybody does. But it's going to be a matter of him not commanding the ball. Sure. It, it's – you know, so so games where he has good command, I, I think you see games where he's going to strike out a bunch of guys, and you're going to see games where you know guys pop stuff up, and and he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact because it's so different yeah. than everybody else. It's fascinating insight. The voice you're listening to, Twins fans, is Glenn Perkins, three-time All-Star, former Twins closer, now Bally Sports North TV analyst. He's on the big show today, pre and post game. You can catch him on Bally Sports North. And Perk, you and I talked a little bit in your career, but I, I don't know where you'll go with this one, so you're going to surprise me. Uh, Rocco Baldelli just picked up his 200th managerial win. 
I know that uh, there is some element in your brain that says, okay, cool, round numbers, so what, right? Like <laughs> your, your 100th hit, is that any di different than your 99th or your 101st? But, but for you, I mean, three all-star games, uh, X number of strikeouts or 10 years in the big leagues, I mean, there are still milestones that, that kind of matter. What do you make of Rocco's first 200 wins? Of course, he got the first half of them really, really early on. Well, I started like this last week when I was working with Dick. We, we got into a discussion about how many games I won in my career. Okay. And I, I don't know I, that off I the top of my head. I guess 19. Okay. Well, I won 12 one year, and I ended up winning 35 in my career. So okay. I had no idea sure. yeah. how many games that right, I won. Right, right. <laughs> um, I don't think Rocco Baldelli cares. I, I think he had even alluded to it that he – didn't want to make a big deal out of it because I think he thinks the same thing. Okay. But it's still cool. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I closed Gardy's thousandth win in Cleveland. You know, so when you put it in that perspective, 200, I mean, you know, it, that's that's a good start. It's a good start. It's yeah. a good start. Yeah, and I think that's where Rocco Baldelli is probably why he doesn't want to make a big deal out of it. Sure. That's, that's a good start. And I think he's more concerned about the team's success, and, and he would probably – have liked to at this point been getting closer to 300. He won 100 and change his first year. So, you know, I, I think that those are things that he wouldn't say. But, uh, you know what? I, I I think he I think he does a great job. I, I like the coaching staff that they have here a lot, and they deserve every win they get. And uh, I'm I know that that humans by nature are are round number people. We love uh, round numbers. Yeah, it um, does give you a chance to celebrate though. And, you know, I, and I, I'm not so yeah. I you know. <laughs> <laughs> a, win, a win is a win. I'm glad that they won the game last night. It was a fun game to watch, yeah. and, and, you know, they, they played well, and I think that's what Rockaball Daily would say as well. A few minutes left here with uh, the closer, Glenn Perkins, here to close out Twins today for us, and Taylor Rogers is a, in a tough situation. I mean, he's having a good year, and then he's got the pulley injury on his finger. There was some hope that he could uh, ramp it up and get back on the mound here in 2021. Looks like that is not the case. Um we know from a performance standpoint who Rogers is as a closer, and this is something that very few people can relate to, Glenn, but you can. What is this like for him where now he's sitting on the sidelines, probably wants nothing more than to just climb that mound again, and he can't. Yeah, and, and I think the worst thing that happened for him was him watching Randy Dobnak go out there. You know, they have the same injury and, and re-aggravating the same injury. There's sure. nothing more frustrating than rehabbing and then, and then having a setback with the same thing that, that you're dealing with in the first place, and, and I know that Taylor's frustrated, and uh, it's a it's a crappy situation to be in, being hurt, watching your team, even in a season like this. And in, in some ways, it might even be worse that you want to be there, you want to be out there for the guys, and 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 still compete and still play out the string, you know, as opposed to to not being able to play. And I I don't want to use the, the term mailing it in because that's ex not what he's doing, but not being able to be out there and, and kind of just – he's just riding out the rest of the season. Um, you know, I know that's frustrating, but he's got to do what's best for him. Like, that comes first. Like, it's it's a team game, but you also have to worry about yourself. And I think seeing – him seeing what happened to Randy Dobnak is going to give him a little bit mm -hmm. more pause to like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe I can take this slow and, and know that come next spring training I'll be completely healthy as opposed to trying to do anything this year to get back even to a point where I'm going to throw off the mound. Like as much as I'm sure he wants to progress, he's, he, he realizes that that's not what's best for him in his career. Um, 
you know, so it, it's a it's a crappy situation. I mean, there yeah. was a few years that I didn't make it to the end of the season that I wore down and 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 things break down as the season goes on, especially in a year like this where they didn't have a basically didn't have a season last year. So yeah, right. Um, it it's just it's not fun. It's not fun coming and rehabbing something and then not being able to throw, not being able to be a part of the team. That's the worst feeling you can have as a yeah. competitor. Uh, and to help others, you first have to help yourself. That's the same yeah. is true with the team as well. Um, Perk, we've got a couple minutes here. Just a brief topic of conversation that could fill 50 hours of an audio book and uh, tons of off-season writing as well. The Twins, since Rogers went down, their bullpen's actually been pretty quietly good. Uh, leading the American League in WPA since Rogers' injury, which is not something that I would have expected <laughs> at all. Right. Do you do you see the makings of uh, the start of a good bullpen for next year in the group that they have here? Well, kind of what I've been saying for the last, I guess, month and a half now is that guys are getting opportunities. And, and when a season doesn't go how the players want to, how the fans want it to go, the, the silver lining in it is that guys get opportunities that otherwise wouldn't get opportunities. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of guys out there that have gotten opportunities because of injuries, because of trades, because of, you know, lack of success from some guys and they're, and they're taking advantage of it. And so whether that ends up being for the twins for next year or for another team there, you know, everybody's watching every pitch that these guys throw. So they're putting themselves in, in good position. You know, a, a guy that stands out for me is, is Manaya. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a, a waiver claim, an afterthought. They bring him in. He's throwing 96 miles an hour. He's got a nasty changeup. That, that to me, is a guy that they take a good, long, hard look at for, hey, th this guy might really fit into our plans next year. And, and two months ago, that wasn't the case. So I, I credit the guys for taking advantage of opportunities. The careers can get made in seasons like this. Yeah. And and I, I do feel like there's guys that have breathed new life into their careers that have that have now, you know, team the team the twins have a new perspective on on certain guys. They've got come out and done a really good job, you know. And, and Alex Colome, boy, did he, he turn asked, it around? He asked me on May first, <laughs> you know, right. and I'm like, well, man, he's you know he's been a disappointment. And look at where he's he's had a actually had a really good season. You take you can't take out a month. You don't get to erase a month. But what he's done over the last five months is pretty pretty dang good. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys in that boat. So it's I, I think getting opportunities, taking advantage of them. And I do think that there's also something to there's a pretty established pecking order in in that bullpen right now and so that helps as well yeah and it's fun to see the group just kind of develop we'll see if they can pick out some gems for next year um great insight glenn as always thanks for taking some time on twins today absolutely Derek. thank you that is the voice of three-time all-star former twins closer glenn perkins catch him on the pre and post game show on valley sports north tv that's it for twins today stay tuned for a conversation with mike radcliffe coming up on inside twins with chris atterbury this is News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.